Hello, it's good to have you with us here at Leadership for Sustainability, the podcast for directors and managers who want to develop and lead sustainability initiatives that deliver results and make a real difference in the world. I'm Osbert Lancaster, longtime sustainability coach, consultant and trainer, and co-founder of Realize Earth. Have you ever talked with colleagues about why it's a good idea for your organisation to do more about sustainability, only to be met with disinterest or even hostility and suspicion? This season, we're sharing our experience to help you build support for your sustainability initiative so that you can create a group of enthusiastic and committed collaborators and have key allies standing by to help out when you need it. Right now, I'll take you through two approaches to building this kind of support for your initiative, and then I'll explain why you should focus on just one of them. So, let's get started. So the first argument for getting people supporting sustainability initiatives is basically that done right, tackling sustainability is good business sense. I'll I'll be talking about sustainability throughout the show, but the same arguments apply to tackling climate change as well. I first got involved in sustainability back in the 90s. One of my colleagues back then developed one of the first UK programmes to encourage SMEs, small and medium-sized businesses, to manage their environmental impact. And he was able to demonstrate that action on the environment could go hand-in-hand with increased profitability. At the time, the evidence for this was pretty limited, and a few businesses, large or small, were convinced. Jump forward 20 years, And the view that sustainability is good for business is widespread. Just search, just Google, is sustainability good for business? And you'll find endless articles, often written by business leaders about their organization's commitment to sustainability and how it's good for their business. This argument is behind most sustainability campaigns, like the SME Climate Hub, which is backed by the United Nations and some of the leading business and climate groups. The business case for sustainability has come a long way in the last 20 years or so, and is now pretty much mainstream. Tackling sustainability can be good for business in a number of ways, and they generally apply to other kinds of organisations as well. Here are some of the main benefits. Sustainability can be a driver to reduce costs by managing resources more efficiently. This is good for business, and it's good for the planet. Working on meaningful sustainability goals can give businesses a competitive advantage by appealing to the increasing interest in its agenda among investors, employees, and customers. And it can keep insurance and lending fees affordable by reducing exposure to climate-related and sustainability-related risks. And reducing exposure to these risks could also make the business more attractive to investors. Integrating sustainability issues into strategy and operations can help build a more resilient business, protecting it against damage and disruption directly and through the supply chain. There's now a stack of evidence behind the argument that tackling sustainability can enhance business success in these kinds of ways. In the show notes, I've linked to an article from the World Economic Forum, which pulls together evidence for this. My view is this, not all the time and not in every situation, but with most organisations, it's a pretty safe assumption that they'll get some very real benefits from addressing sustainability. So, if you're developing a sustainability initiative, a sustainability strategy for your organisation, the business case for sustainability will be important. There's actually a really good article about how to go about this from IMD, 
a leading Swiss business school titled How to Make the Business Case for a Sustainability Strategy, which explains why any successful sustainability strategy needs to be underpinned by a solid business case. It'll be in the show notes. But the business case by itself is not enough. Unfortunately, there are two big problems with the business case for sustainability. Working on sustainability can certainly help most businesses improve profitability and become more resilient. But the first problem is that even if they pay lip service to sustainability, for many businesses, there'll be tempting opportunities to make money from unsustainable opportunities. And the second problem is that it can mean businesses simply tackle some relatively easy cost savings, the so-called low-hanging fruit, and make some minor cost corrections with their strategy. By itself, the business case is rarely a spur to real ambition and innovation for sustainability. Maybe I'm being harsh. After all, some progress on sustainability is still progress. But tackling the climate and nature crises and the other aspects of sustainability needs much more than just the rolling out of good practice, important though that is. For years now, the IPCC has become increasingly clear that the climate crisis can only be tackled with a transformation of the economy, and the same applies to the biodiversity crisis. United Nations Secretary-General Antonio Guterres warns that we face what he calls collective suicide over the climate crisis. Of course, this is a much, much bigger problem than any one business or organisation can tackle alone. It's a global, social and political problem. But as part of the solution, real ambition by businesses will be essential. And by itself, the business case for sustainability can't deliver that. We'll come back to what all this means for you and your sustainability initiative soon. But first, let's look at another motivator, action on sustainability. In the 90s, when I was first getting involved in sustainability, it was a pretty niche interest. It was mainly environmentalists and academics. And we were learning more and more about how modern life was damaging nature and changing the climate, and about the knock-on effects this would have on people across the world. We were worried, but unless there was a high-profile environmental campaign in the news, most people were pretty unaware of what was happening. Now things are very different. We've had endless international summits, and we've had widespread coverage in the media. And before, it often seemed like the problems only affected people in other continents, and now we're all experiencing these changes in real time. The seasons are noticeably shifting. Weather records are regularly broken. Flooding and wildfires are becoming more and more widespread. It's pretty much impossible now for anyone not to be aware that we're changing the climate and damaging nature. Concern for this stuff is sometimes painted as a Western middle-class issue or something that no one outside the green bubble cares about. This was never true and is not true now. I'd like to take a moment just now to let you know about our next event. If you've been listening for a while, you'll know that most people are concerned about climate change and would like to make more sustainable choices in their lives. Despite this open door, most business sustainability initiatives fail to engage staff, and as a result, they miss their targets. The reason is that most initiatives don't pay enough attention to what genuinely motivates colleagues, nor do they recognise the barriers that hold back even the most highly motivated employees from taking action. 
On Wednesday the 22nd of May, join me and Jamie, the creator of the Most Sustainable Workplace Index, and learn how the index can help you tap into and unlock most employees' latent motivation to do the right thing for people and planet. You'll discover how the index can help you to gather hard evidence of what's working and what needs attention across locations and divisions and seniority levels. You'll identify the focus areas where the sustainability team, L&D, HR and so on, should allocate time and resources to make the most progress. And you'll discover how you can demonstrate year-on-year -year progress with consistent and comparable data on sustainability culture. And you can use that for action planning, reporting, benchmarking and accreditation. Do join us on Wednesday the 22nd of May. You'll find the link in the show notes. In 2016, I helped carry out research for the Scottish Government into what ordinary people thought about climate change. We ran focus groups across Scotland, and we found that even though people were often unclear about the details, most people were concerned about climate change and they wanted to do something about it. And they felt that the government and big business should be doing more. More recently, in 2021, Ipsos Mori found that among the G20 countries, 73% of people believe Earth is close to tipping points because of human action, and 83% of people want to do more to protect and restore nature. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Most people are concerned about climate and nature, and they want to do something about it. But this seems to be pretty much a taboo subject in most organisations. It's rarely talked about at work. I think there are lots of reasons for this, but the three big ones are these. The first is, our culture has trained us that at work, the success of the organisation is the only thing that matters. So this means that the language of the business case for sustainability is the only one that really feels legitimate at work sometimes. Secondly, sustainability and climate change can be emotional subjects, and emotional stuff is generally considered private and talking about it at work is often seen as unprofessional. And following on from that, talking about climate change and nature crises can be difficult and uncomfortable. People often can feel judged, they often feel powerless, and they may have to admit they don't know the answers, which is a pretty high-risk thing to do in many organisations. But here's the thing. Every successful sustainability initiative in any sector or type of business that I have come across has always been led by someone who cares deeply about the climate and nature crises, about what we're doing to the living world, including our fellow humans. I've discussed this with my colleagues and many other people working in sustainability over many years, and we really can't think of any exceptions that we've come across. People leading these initiatives might not talk about their concern in public, but because we've worked with them closely, or interviewed them for research, we've discovered that they do care deeply. So, just to get this clear, people leading successful sustainability initiatives are motivated by their concern for people and planet. And what's more, they tap into this concern in other people to create a strong team of collaborators and to get the support of effective allies. And you can do this too. In the next episode, we'll be getting into exactly how you can go about it. I'll explain how you can tap into this powerful motivator to build your support, and not by using the business case for sustainability. The business case is important, and we'll come to that later in this season. But in the next episode, 
we'll be focusing on why it's so important to tap into the fact that most people do care about the nature and climate crises. Dubious? I'm not surprised. It's a common reaction. Like huge numbers of people, you could be suffering from what the psychologists call pluralistic ignorance. Come along and find out what's going on and what to do about it. In the last episode, I invited you to make a list of people who you would like to support you as you develop and lead your sustainability initiatives, as collaborators and as allies. I haven't forgotten about it. We'll come back to this in a future episode, so keep your list safe. As we head towards the end of this episode, I've got another exercise for you. I talked a lot about the fact most people are concerned about sustainability. The fact is, that's actually a bit too simplistic. People aren't really concerned about sustainability, which is a fairly dry concept. What people are concerned about is stuff that's much more real. They're concerned about the people and the places that matter to them. Those that they have direct experience of, like their families and friends and neighbours, and perhaps people they've met in different parts of the world. And they're concerned about the places where they live, and the places they visit, whether that's a favourite local walk that's now flooded regularly, or a camping spot in the hills that's been ravaged by wildfire again. But they're also concerned about people and places that matter to them in a different way. People and places that are certainly real, but their connection is through their imagination. Rainforests they've seen on TV, but never visited. The species we've never seen, and we've never will because they're going extinct. People they've never met, whose lives are being affected right now. Whether that's older people, dying prematurely in European heat waves, or the millions living on low-lying islands and river deltas that are being flooded out. We don't need to have a direct, in-person experience to feel these kinds of connections. It's all this and more that is hidden behind the word sustainability. Before we go, here's an exercise I invite you to do right after the show. Find somewhere quiet and think about what lies behind the word sustainability for you. What is it that you care about and why does it matter to you? Don't overthink it and go with the flow. Here's a structure to help you and I'll put this in the show notes. Write down, I care about, dot, 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 and then write down what it is you care about and just keep going without judgment or overthinking. And when you can't write any more, write, these matters to me because, dot, 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 and then write why they matter to you. And again, Keep going without judgment or overthinking. And when you stop, start again with, I care about, and continue the loop until it feels like you've reached a natural end. Keep your notes safe, and we'll come back to that in the next episode. I'll put all these instructions and links to the reports and stuff I've mentioned in the show notes, which you'll find at realize.earth slash 102. Thanks for being with me today. I'm Osbert Lancaster co-founder of Realize Earth. I hope you found our podcast useful and that you'll be back for the next episode where I'll be talking about why emotion is the most powerful motivator to build support for your sustainability initiative. To make sure you don't miss it, follow or subscribe to Leadership for Sustainability in your podcast app of choice. And if you're new to podcasts, it's simple. Go to realize.earth slash guides to find out how. This is a brand new podcast, so following or subscribing will boost our podcast in the algorithms and help more people who care about sustainability to find us. 
make even more of a difference. Bye for now. Don't forget, leadership for sustainability and the work you're doing is important. Keep up the good work and make sure to look after yourself.